Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 214th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it! The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to get you ready for an important game for Carolina as they take on the the Miami Hurricanes uh, tomorrow night at home in the Smith Center. We'll tell you all about Miami, get you everything you need to know about um, them. We'll get you up to speed and the latest for Carolina. And then, of course, we'll give our keys to the game and pick the game. But before we do any of that, we start every preview edition of the podcast, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by our show sponsor, DraftKings. And we go to former uh, Carolina basketball head coach Roy Williams. Um, and we may have used this one in the past, but I, I think this one right now uh, does does still uh, pertain to this Carolina team at this moment. And Roy's quote is, uh, quote, see the rocks in your paths, not as obstacles, but as opportunities to climb higher. And that's really where this team was entering the Clemson game, a team that entered that game leading the ACC at 10-3. and three. And Carolina made quick work of the Tigers, but now they've got another obstacle coming up with Miami. Um, As of recording, this game is not a quad one game for Carolina. That could change with how tonight's results or or, or around college basketball go final where they could find themselves back in the top 30 in the net. But this is a really good Miami team. And no one's surprised that Miami is really, really good. I mean, this team – was in the Elite Eight a year ago, and they brought back key fixtures from that roster, primarily in Isaiah Wong. But then they added Nigel Pack from Kansas State um, to to really complete what is maybe maybe the best backcourt in the ACC, right? The right up there with Carolinas of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, 
right up there with NC State's uh, Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner. And, and so Carolina has another obstacle, but kind of like we were talking about at the end of the Clemson game, the win over Clemson changed Carolina's seed line dramatically. It took Carolina from last four in to among one of the last four buys in the field. This could be a game that if Carolina were to win, even though it's not a quad one game, maybe Carolina even gets taken off the last four whatever's side of of, of Joe Lenardi's projections um, for this year's NCAA tournament. But as as we're about to talk about right here, that's not going to be an easy thing to do because, um, as I mentioned, Miami's really, really good. Uh, if you happen to watch what they did to Duke the other night, um, which I'm pretty sure a lot of Tar Heel fans did because Miami or because Miami just beat Duke's butt, you saw the type of team that Jim Laranega has down there in Coral Gables. And they come into this matchup with a 20-6 and record overall. They are 11-4 and in the league just a half game out of first place. Uh, as I mentioned right now, they are 32nd in the net. Um, so uh, th th this won't qualify as a quad one opportunity for Carolina, but this is still a really quality basketball team. Um, one of the things that this team does struggle with is the fact that they're just four and four away from home. Um, they, they, they've been a really good team at home in the Watco Center, but they have had their issues as primarily every team in this conference has going on the road and winning games within the league. They do have four players that are currently averaging double-figure scoring, led by Isaiah Wong's 16.2 points, 4.4 rebounds, 3.5 assists. He shoots 45% uh, from the field, 38% from three. You got Jordan Miller averaging 14.7 points, uh, 5.6 rebounds, 2.7 assists. He's shooting a whopping 53% from the field, 35% from three. Then you got Norchad Amir averaging a double-double at 14.1 points, 10 rebounds. He's shooting 61% from the field. Then the Kansas State transfer, Nigel Pack, 12.6 points, 2.7 rebounds, 2.6 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 40% from three. Their offensive rating of 114.8 is ninth best in the country, according to Sports Reference College Basketball. And as a team, they shoot 49% from the field, which is 18th best in the country. And that's the biggest thing about this Miami team is that, you know, when Jim Laranega was really building up that program and what they are now is pretty much what they've been since they won the league a decade ago, where they have, they are a competitive team. And a lot of years they, they have a team that can compete to win a, the, the conference championship. When he first started building this thing, it was on the defensive end of the court where they had to muck it up. They had to make the game really, really ugly. And they still do that. They still play really high-quality defense. But this offense is high-powering. They average 79 points per game. And as I just mentioned, you got four guys in double-figure scoring. Um, their rating is top 10 in the country. They're shooting nearly 50% from the field as a team. So it's not, it's not only that they score the ball, they score the ball in an efficient manner. And that's going to pose a challenge for a Carolina defense that is coming off one of its better performances in that win over Clemson on Saturday. Yeah, there's there this team. I think when you look at the ACC, I think it's really Virginia, Miami, and then kind of everybody else. Um, this team's legitimate, as you said, and we learned this last year when we saw this team. 
Um, they, they've got three guards right now that are just about as good as, of a trio as any in the country. Um, Isaiah Wong coming back, looking like the type of player that, you know, we, we, we saw him, you know, at last year. Um, Nigel Pack, what a tremendous transfer addition he has been, as they expected at the time. Um, remember, he was a guy that uh, they really were able to get in there because of the NIL money, and that has paid off huge for them. And then Jordan Miller uh, is a guy who's played extremely well this year. And when you got that much production in the backcourt, you know, we've talked about it a lot in the past that, yes, experience definitely is the biggest thing in March. But guard play is right behind that when it comes to teams that make deep runs. So this is a type of team that's built for this time of year. Carolina's got to be prepared for this one. The thing that I think is interesting, though, is if you look at this team, they are a team that's very similar to, in terms of just how they play, you know, and and how they score the ball. Really, if you look at just the all the statistics in general, they're very similar to Clemson. They're just a, really, they're a better version than Clemson. They're a more polished version of Clemson. They're a team that shoots the three ball incredibly well. Um, they don't have a ton of rebounding, but they've got one guy that comes in uh, and is having a dominant season in Norchad O'Meer on the glass. Um, they're a team that does have a little, you know, they, they do turn the ball over at a pretty high rate, but they also force a lot of turnovers as well. Um, so, and, and they're a team that if they get to the free throw line, this was something we didn't talk about with Clemson. And luckily it never came up in that game. Man, Clemson shot over 80% from the free throw line. So if Carolina would have put them on the foul line often, uh, Clemson would have had a good chance to win that game. This is a team in Miami that's very similar. They shoot 77% from the free throw line. So Carolina's got to be careful. So the it, it is going to be interesting. Can Carolina sort of build off of some of the things that they did defensively in the last game? Because this team is is going to attack things a little bit similar. Um, we we learned last year, you know, they're a team that does have guards that uh, do like to drive the lane, though. So Carolina's got to be careful with that in this game because there have been times this year uh, where they have really been hurt by those types of teams that can get to the basket off the dribble drive. So, uh, yeah, Carolina's got a, a, a lot of work up ahead of them, but – uh, it's good that they are coming off of what may have been their best game of the entire season. Yeah, and, you know, the challenge is to now is to bottle that that energy, that effort, that enthusiasm up and have it carry over into this game. And, you know, look, Armando Baycott said, uh, even after the win over Clemson, look, our backs are still against the wall. That's just the reality of the situation, folks, is that, now, when you're 15 and nine, and, and now you're 16 and nine, and eight and six in the league, and you enter the season preseason number one, the 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 heavy favorite to win this conference, and that's what your record is. Yeah, you, yeah, your your backs are your backs are against the wall, and um, you know something we've kind of talked about throughout the season is that you know as underwhelming as it's been, it's starting to really you know after the Wake Forest loss, it was really starting to culminate into the most disappointing season in the history of this program. And these players know that these players recognize that and they don't want to be a part of that. Assuming the fact or considering the fact they all came back for, for, for one goal and that's to get back to the final four and win the national championship. And the good news is that as of right now, 
all that stuff is still very uh, very much attainable for Carolina. As I mentioned, they do enter this game 16 and 9 overall. They're 8 and 6 in the league, which is 7th uh, right now, but with some important games coming up like Miami, like Virginia, you've got a you know, you you've got a return date with NC State and Duke. Carolina could still play their way into securing a double bye in the ACC tournament, and we all know how important that is in in the modern uh, ACC tournament where, you know, a lot of teams now are playing you know, four games in four days, and you we saw Virginia Tech do that last year when they won when they won the conference tournament. Uh, Carolina at home, which this game will be played, they are eleven and one this season. That lone loss, of course, coming to Pittsburgh. Carolina does enter this game thirty ninth in the net. So while this isn't a quad one opportunity for Carolina, it is a quad one opportunity for Miami. And this is a team that at 20 and six overall and 11 four in the league, the more that they can build, you know, and, and, and stack quad one wins to their resume, this could, that would really go a long way for their seeding. I did mention that um, as of his latest uh, tournament projections last night, Lenardi does have Carolina among the last four buys, but as I mentioned, a win over Miami. And I, I think you would see Carolina taking off that, that, that graphic and just put solidly, in the field. Uh, Carolina does currently have four players averaging double-figure scoring, still led by Armando Baycox, 17.6 points, 11.3 rebounds. He's shooting 57% from the field. Look how much different Caleb Love's numbers are just after yesterday. He's averaging 16.8 points, 3.4 rebounds, three assists. He's shooting 39% from the field and 31% from the three-point line. Those numbers aren't great. They're not efficient. That is the first time since the first week of the season he was shooting in the 30 percentile both from the field and from the three-point line all season long. Uh, And so that just goes to show you that as bad as he shot the ball, what he did the other day just impacted his percentages by that much. And if, if that really starts to become what he starts doing on a consistent basis, this Tar Heel team is going to be a lot to handle with uh, moving forward. Of course, you got R.J. Davis, the steady guy, averaging 15.8 points, 4.9 rebounds, 3.4 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 35% from three. And then Pete Nance, who did not score on Saturday, uh, 10.1 points, six point rebound or 6.0 rebounds, one and a half assists. He's shooting just 43% from the field and 30% from three Carolina as a team, they average 17.4 made free throws per game. That's 10th in the country and 23 and a half free throws attempted, which is 14th. And also Carolina averages 28 and a half defensive rebounds per game, which is ninth best in the country. Before we, we move on to our keys to the game, because this isn't really just, this isn't really a key kind of just want to pick back up where we left off the other night with talking about, the the rotation that we saw from Hubert Davis. And, you know, I'm going to be really disappointed if Puff Johnson doesn't start because I think, I think he's just earned the right to start. I think he's, it's not just that I think he's played better than, than Pete Nance because that's evident. I think he's just impacted the game overall a lot more 
than than Pete Nance has. And look, I, we know Pete Nance can do a lot of great things defensively, um, and he did a lot of good things good defensively against the in, in the Duke game. But he also decided to wipe his shoes to get, to get extra grip on the floor, and then allow Jeremy Roach to blow right by him to the basket for a big time layup in a crucial time for Carolina to get a stop. But it's not just for Puff Johnson. Um, I, I still want to see Jalen Washington and DeMarco Dunn and Seth Trimble to, to get time because Carolina is going to need those guys to, if, 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 if they want to make, if they want to make a deep run again, because I, I, you know, I, I know I joked yesterday when we were watching the game that it's time to go back iron five and just run our starters into the ground. The reality of the situation is this. If Carolina has to go that route, I don't think they're making it to the second weekend of the tournament. It's just too daggum hard. I mean, Carolina last year almost didn't get to the second weekend of the tournament, and a large part was because of ejections and stuff like that, but it's just really hard to rely on five or six guys to win you games and -and one-and-done scenarios. And so I think the thing to really watch in this game is – how does Schubert Davis deploy his rotation? Does he does he let those guys build off what they did the other night, mainly Washington and DeMarco Dunn and a little bit of Seth Tremble? Or does he maybe tighten the shoestrings more and play just five or six dudes because of the magnitude of this game? I don't know. I'd like to see Puff Johnson start, but I'd also like to see the other guys get the minutes that they got against Clemson in this game as well. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's kind of where everybody should be at this point. Um, you know, I, I I was definitely someone that was hesitant to, you know, start giving some of these guys a little more time because they, they are guys that have been making mistakes. And, I mean, we saw against Wake Forest that they were still out there making some similar mistakes to uh, the guys that were on the floor. But I think at this point, you know, what the game against Clemson showed is that I, I was wrong, and you kind of have no choice but to play more of these guys. It's like I said, though, when we were recapping the game, I think you've got to just – you have to find at least two other guys with Puff Johnson or if it's Pete Nance coming off the bench because I'm I'm with you. I think he has shown – Puff Johnson has shown enough. We saw him start in the game against Louisville. I thought that was – um, you know, probably the best that the team had looked all year uh, up until ye- the, yesterday's game against Clemson. So, uh, you know, I, I think you want to get to seven or eight. If you can get to seven or eight, I feel like you can be confident. And then once, clearly, once you get to the ACC tournament, especially once you get to the NCAA tournament, you're probably going to shorten the rotation a little bit. But I think the key that Carolina has to, you know, they they, they just, you've got to be strategic about how you use these guys. There have been times where it just seems like there, there are too many bench guys on the floor at the same time. Um, you have to be able to, you know, ha- have some sort of, you know, threat offensively. Pro- really, you need two threats offensively on the floor at all times. Um, and some of these guys off the bench are, are still developing into that. There's no one that you really look at and say, man, they're, that, that's the guy that's coming off the bench and is really going to score and score at a high level for us. So that's the only thing. Hubert Davis has to be strategic about how he puts these guys in the game. But, yes, you have to be able to use the rotation a little bit more and keep this team on their toes because Miami is a team that they play with seven guys. That's that's as deep as they go. 
So this is going to be one of the thinner teams that you are going to face if you can get this team into foul trouble and really wear them down with some of your depth. That could go a long way to helping you win this one. Yeah, I think that's just something that Huber Davis has to figure out just like he did last year. And, and look, I don't know if there was a certain staff member that really got him to where he got to last year. If there is, I would probably imagine that guy is Jeff Lebo. Then he's got to be that voice in Hubert's ear trying to figure out how to balance the minutes, how to balance the rotation. And, yeah, and, and some of the lineups, yeah. You know, there was a point yesterday in the game where he had one scoring threat on the floor. And I and I, I like to call those, quote, December lineups. And it's not ideal that you're having to play those lineups in February, but that's the reality of where Carolina is after a three-game losing streak and a come-to-Jesus moment. And, and so what you're hoping now is you 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 went through that, you had the, the good experiences yesterday, these guys were able to get some more confidence in them, and now you can start identifying minutes and roles and situations that these guys can play. Um, one thing that's been note is that he is he's he's rested Armando Baycott before he's gotten into foul trouble. I don't know if that's a sign of Baycott's conditioning. Don't know if that's just a sign of just trying to give him a breather. For the most part, it hasn't really killed Carolina just yet. But I mean, that was something we didn't see last year, this time of the year, where Baycott and Manic were pretty much on the floor exclusively unless one of them got into foul trouble. And the good news is that. You know, another way that we saw Roy Williams do this with Kendall Marshall back in, in 2012, because you get eight media stoppages, you can use the media timeouts as a way to use that as your rest period. And you can you can really manipulate the rest to where the guy could still play 36, 37, heck, 38 minutes. But you get eight free timeouts in the ballgame, plus how many timeouts are called during the course of the game for them to, you know, get hydrated, catch their breath and whatnot. And, and so that's just going to be something we'll we'll have to monitor in this game tomorrow night. And so with that, guys, look, we've set the scene. We've got you up to speed on my on Miami. We've told you everything you need to know about Carolina. It's time for us now to give our keys to the game and pick the game. But before we do any of that, we're going to bring you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll get into those keys to the game on the Four Corners podcast after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all of these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. 
New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all those great offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Vlog podcast. Guys, we encourage you get to gra- get to DraftKings, use those promo codes just like we do. That way you you're making smart, uh, smart and efficient bets on whatever sporting event it is that you are betting on. But with that, let's get right back into the task at hand, and that's getting. Uh, getting more into this game against Miami with our keys to the game. And the first thing I have written down for Carolina is to win the, to win the race to 80. And you're probably asking why? Well, Miami averages 79 points per game on the season and Carolina averages 78.4. Miami allows 70.4 points per game. Meanwhile, Carolina averages giving up 72.2 points. So this game, kind of like the games we've seen so far this year with Wake Forest, um, we saw it kind of with NC State, and we'll see that again uh, next Sunday as well. This game is going to be an up-and-down type of game. There's probably going to be a lot of space or or a lot of pace that's being played with both teams like to get out and run. Uh, We saw Carolina really just run the court as well as we've seen them run the court uh, so far all season long the other day against Clemson. Same thing with this Miami team. I was mentioning that transition in from this program from being a defensive half-court-minded program to where now Jim Jim Laranega has the talent. He's got the depth. He can play up and down in the ACC and run with the likes of Carolina. And so with Carolina to win the race to 80, the most important part of that is taking smart shots. And that was something that was just so much more evident the other day in that game against Clemson. My guy, John Crispin, you've heard him on this podcast at different times. He said that the the, the biggest difference that he saw from Carolina in that game was usually so far this season, Carolina was having to build off of tough makes, whether it was you know a, a really tough perimeter shot or a really tough finish for Armando Baycott. What they did the other day, ironically enough, was they built off of their misses. And you ask, what does that mean? Well, they were just getting such quality looks that they 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 kept getting good looks, and they 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 started giving up good shots for great shots. And what happens? The ball went through the basket. And like our noted pod uh, pod thought of the day uh, quote guy today, Roy Williams said, "Everything looks better when the ball goes in the basket." That's what happened the other day, and, and it was just really the first time. I mean, I, I think there were like three times I thought Carolina took a bad shot in the, on Saturday. And they were probably all three shots taken by Pete Nance. Um, so maybe they maybe they took zero bad shots overall because Pete Nance at this point is just a walking bad shot. I don't know. But um, their, 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 their shot selection was just crips. I mean, it, nothing felt forced. Everything came easy. And the thing about Miami, and, and, and Carolina has seen this in the past as well, is they're going to play different defenses. They're going to pressure the ball in the backcourt. They're going to play a little bit of zone. But as that points allowed number will suggest, if 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 you attack it the right way and you and you don't settle, you can put the ball in the basket against this team. And so I think this will be a fun ACC game. I think you'll have a great crowd for a weeknight game in the Smith Center. 
And I think you'll see a lot of offense. And I think really whichever team gets to 81st puts themselves in the best chance to win the ball game. I mean, you, you may have to get to 90 with this team. Um, they, this is, I mean, look, the other day they let up 85 to Louisville and they scored 93 and they've done that multiple times in conference. Um, that's been one of the recipes to beating them is to score a lot on them. But yeah, this is a high power. This is as high powered of an offense as it gets. This is a team that scored 107 points in regulation in a game this year. Now they let up 105 in that game to Cornell, but it, you, you, you have to make shots in this game. There, but some of these other games down the stretch, like we saw against Duke, for Carolina in that game, look, if you can get to 70 when you play them in Chapel Hill later on in the year, you're probably going to win that game because they're not shooting the ball well. This team, I mean, this this is going to be crucial for Carolina to have a good shooting night. They have to score. Um, and I think the thing is, is, you go back and you look at some of the things that they struggle with during the three-game losing streak. One, they have to finish these easy baskets at the rim. Um, there were times where, yeah, not only were they ta- were, were they taking bad shots, they weren't finishing the easy shots. So this is something that you got to see moving forward from this group. They have to be able to make the shots that are there. Uh, for the taking. If teams are going to allow you to get right to the rim, you have to finish. You Sometimes you'll have to finish through contact. That's been an issue at times for Carolina. So in this game, you, you have to be able to knock those shots down, and you've got to be able to build off of what you did the other day against Clemson, especially from beyond the arc. Uh, this has to be one of your better shooting games from the outside. Caleb Love needs to really be able to be the guy that he's been lately. And I know, look, you you got some stat padding in that game against Wake Forest. Still a dude that's shooting 44% from the field in his last five games and 38% from deep. You'll take that. That that way, especially for him, those are numbers that you could live with. So you need to see him continue to build off of, you know, what he's been doing here for this last five, for these last five games. You need to see R.J. Davis. Hopefully, you know, the, the other day looked like the first time in a couple of weeks that he has been healthy. So hopefully that finger is starting uh, to get better, and, and this will be something that he'll be able to build on in this one. Um, so I, I think those are the keys. And then the other – then outside of those guys, you know, and, of course, Armando Baycott, which, I mean, at this point doesn't even need to be said. He's your best player we've talked about so many times. The ball, you know, everything needs to go inside out. He needs to be touching the basketball. Outside of those, the, your big three, though, you've got to find that other guy that steps up. The other day on the perimeter, it was Puff Johnson who stepped up and made some shots. Leaky hit a shot from the outside. You need somebody to step up and make shots there, and you need your bench to help you out a little bit. It doesn't have to be a lot of scoring, but it, it just has to be you got to sprinkle it in there um every so often so that's going to be the key to this game is you have to build your you you have to build the scoring throughout um and, and you can't have these lulls we've seen it from Carolina at times this year where they just go you know completely dead on the offensive end of the floor they did it that was one of the reasons that they got down so badly against Wake Forest yeah they were turning the ball over but because of the poor shot selection and then not making some shots that were there 
to be had. I mean, there was a stretch where Wake Forest goes on a 15-0 run. Well, if Carolina would have been able to counter that with some scoring, they would have still been in the game. So that's the thing that they got to avoid because this Miami team, they are extremely electric offensively. It's going to be really hard to slow them down and, you know, string together four or five straight possessions where you don't allow points. So really, this is one of those games where you just have to be locked in offensively. The second key I have to this game for Carolina uh, is to limit their turnovers. Um, because if you watched what Miami did to Duke, Miami simply ran Duke out of the gym off of turnovers because Duke turned the ball over and it was like a layup line for Miami going the other way, which is a beautiful thing to watch for Carolina fans. It won't be a beautiful thing to watch if Carolina's the one turning the ball over and it becomes a Miami layup line in the Smith Center on on, on Monday afternoon or on, on Monday evening. And so um, you know, Carolina didn't turn the ball over a whole lot against Clemson the other day, just, just seven turnovers in the ball game, um, which is something that, you know, they're capable of doing. They're, they're capable. I, mean, I, I always ask for no more than 12 because of, you know, I, I think as long as you turn it over less than 12 times per game, they're not going to come back to bite you in the butt when Carolina's playing the way they want to play. Um, you, you know, if Carolina comes out and they turn it over 12, 14 times in this game, it's probably not going to be a fun recap. Um, but th they've also proven at times that they can not turn the ball over. They did it in a hostile environment against Duke. They did it the other night against a really good ACC team in Clemson, and that's got to be the formula in this game is that you, you, you've you got to limit the opportunities. You know, and, and part of it winning the race to 80, you take Miami out of transition and you make these guys execute and score on you in the half court, you'll live with that. Because this is a team that, you know, when when they're when they're in the open floor, they're dynamic. And and they they build off of those high flying dunks and stuff like that. And so um if Carolina can keep if Carolina can keep them in the half court, um, I think that goes a long way. It's gonna be really hard to, for for me to envision Carolina forcing a ton of Miami mistakes because they're so well coached under Jim Laranega. And I mean, and their dudes have been in college pretty much since the university was founded and guys like Isaiah Wong. So these are these are smart, tough veteran players that are, you know, 22, some even 23-year-old players on their roster. So while Carolina may not force a whole lot of turnovers themselves, it's equally important they don't commit they they don't commit many and give Miami easy buckets in transition. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the thing about them is yeah, you can force them into some mistakes. I mean, they they average 11.3 turnovers per game. So they're not they're not the safest team with the basketball, but it's because of how they play. Um, that's the thing that's going to be interesting because I thought one of the things that Carolina did the other day was they did speed things up a little bit on the offensive end. They tried to play a little bit faster, but Miami likes that. That's the way that Miami wants to play. So it's weird because in the past, you've never been afraid to run, but with a team like Miami, if you get out, you know, in space and you're running against these guys, it's going to be tough because they've got so many guys that are shot makers on this team. They've got guys that um, can, uh, you know, that do a good job of attacking the basket. And so Carolina, you're, you're right. They have to be able to take care of the basketball. We've seen that become an issue, you know, at times this year, not nearly as often as a year ago, but, I mean, again, I, I mentioned earlier talking about that Wake Forest game. 
know, bad shots were a big part of it. But, yeah, so were turnovers. And that was what really put that game out of reach. This one, we saw, speaking of, you know, Wake Forest, remember last year, Carolina turned it over a lot against Wake Forest. Well, who who did they turn it over a lot against as well? Miami. They had back-to-back matchups against those teams where they turned the ball over a ton. And the same thing happened in both games. You had teams that could score the ball at a high rate, and they did. And so Carolina, you know, they they saw that, you know, this, this past week against Wake Forest. They got to avoid that in this game. Do not give this team the opportunity to, you know, have, run away from you. Because if you let this team get any sort of significant lead, you are not winning this basketball game. Uh, they are just too talented offensively. So I think that's the big thing is you have to take care of the basketball, especially in the first half. You you have to hold on to the ball, give yourself a chance to settle into a rhythm, because if you come out, let's say you come out and turn it over the way you did against Virginia Tech earlier in the year. Yeah, it could be a really, really long night for you. So it's just about the guards being smart. Um, it's about, you know, Armando Baycott being able to handle what will probably be some double teams that will be thrown his way. And if they're able to do that and prevent those pick six turnovers, as we've heard from Hubert Davis all season long, then they're going to have a chance to come away with a victory in this game, especially with it being in the Smith Center. The last key I have for Carolina to win the game is to win the rebounding margin because like Clemson the other night, Miami is suspect in that area as well. Carolina averages 39.6 rebounds. Miami averages 34.6. That's a plus five rebounding differential for Carolina based on averages. And and you you look at Carolina, they only won the rebounding margin yesterday, 34-31 against Clemson. But at one point in the game, it was 20-10. to And you can't tell me that part of the reason why Carolina took control of the game was the fact that they won the battle of the boards and they had established themselves as a force. And then because as well as Carolina shot the ball in the second half uh, at times, there just weren't a whole lot of offensive rebounds to be had for Carolina. And that allowed kind of Clemson to, to, to really close in on the rebounding margin Overall, and we've seen Carolina in years past against Miami. This is where they were able to to beat them up um, when they won there at the COVID during the COVID year. Had they not rebounded the the ball the way they did, mm-hmm. they don't win that ball game because they sure as heck didn't shoot the ball all that great. And you look at some other big games back in 20, 2016 when Miami came to 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 Chapel Hill as a top ten team against Carolina. You know, Carolina pounded them on the glass, and that's a big reason why they were able to blow them out. And so um, I think this is something that – and I think this is biggest, probably the biggest reason why Pete Nance has remained in the lineup more often than not is because I think Hubert Davis likes his rebounding better than Puff Johnson's, even though I like Puff's length a little bit, a little bit better in that department than probably um, Hubert Davis does. You know, you've been saying all year long it's a rebounding it's it's a rebounding game for UNC, not a rebounding game for Armando Baycott. You go back to Saturday, I mean, Leaky Black added added seven rebounds to that box score, and so that's that's kind of what it's going to take. You know, Armando Baycott's going to get his 12, 14 rebounds uh, mm-hmm. going out there. He's averaging eleven point three. You know, he's going to get his. It's the other guys in conjunction with you know whether it's Pete Nance, R.J. Davis averaging nearly five rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leaky Black, like I mentioned, 
Caleb Love, whether it's, you know, Puff Johnson off the bench or DeMarco Dunn or whoever, um, I think if Carolina can wear them down in that department as well, like they did uh, early in that first half against Clemson, along with, you know, playing better offense, limiting turnovers, I think all those things really favor Carolina winning this big-time game at home tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is that you have to mainly get timely rebounds. And you didn't have to really worry about that uh, against Clemson. I guess, you know, rebounding the way that you did early in the game to allow you to establish that cushion could be an example of that as well. But that's been one of the issues for Carolina in, this season is that at times, even they're they're not a bad rebounding team, but at times they just cannot come up with the crucial rebounds. This this team in Miami, yeah, that's that was something I said earlier. You know, with with the comparisons to Clemson, is just that they're not a bad rebounding team. Um, they average thirty four point five per game, so you know, a little below the the midway point in the entire country. They've got one guy that rebounds the ball really well. Everybody else, you know, they 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 have one guy that has ten rebounds per game in Omir. Outside of that, nobody averages more than six. Um, and only two guys average more than three. So they're not, they're just, they're not the greatest rebounding team. They rely on a certain group of guys to rebound. And I think for the most part, you know, Carolina deserves some credit because I think that they have had other guys that have stepped up um, and, and rebounded well out of the guard positions. As you mentioned, Leaky Black, especially here recently, is starting to become more of a force on the glass. And, you know, they, they've also had to navigate the the issue that is Pete Nance when it comes to rebounding, that uh, he's just not the same guy that he was even at Northwestern, and he, he just doesn't rebound the ball well at times at, at all. He just gets pushed around. So um, I, I think... You know, if you play Puff Johnson in this game, we've seen him aggressive rebounder, um, guy, guy that's then he's not going to come in there and put up, you know, 12, 14 alongside of Armando Baycott, but he'll still be able to give you six, seven, maybe even eight, um, especially if he's playing extended minutes. But it's on these other guys to help out and rebound well. Um, because this is going to be a tough one. Miami, the entire season, has allowed 779 rebounds to other teams, which is 32nd in the country. Even more scary is that they have only allowed 525 defensive rebounds uh, so far in 25 games, which ranks 10th in the entire country. So what that shows is that, one, they are an incredible shooting team. That's going to be a challenge for Carolina. And two, it, it seems like, you know, they are a pretty physical basketball team. So Carolina's got to be – they have to be ready for a fight in this game. I, I think Carolina, you know, that's that's an area that they should be able to own. And, yeah, you're right. I think if they can get somewhere near where they were early in the game against Clemson, and if even if they could just maintain that throughout the game – that would be huge. The biggest thing, though, is that when it gets late in the game, when you need rebounds, you have to be able to come away with them. You can't get beat to uh, some of these long rebounds. We've seen that be an issue for Carolina a lot this season. Uh, if, if they can avoid getting beat in some of those types of scenarios, I think they have what it takes to win this game. Despite Carolina entering the game as the team that's not ranked in the in the matchup, that'll be Miami. 
They are given a 67.3% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. And um, I think I think Carolina gets the job done. We've seen this team uh, in Saturday, Monday turnarounds and these types of moments. They've, they've generally played their best basketball. This is usually when they've put it all together and they've played really well. And I think, you know, Everything coming out of the locker room, it wasn't like this team, you know, took a deep breath and, and and let out a sigh of relief. They still know there's work to do, and they still know they've they've still got um, a, a, a long way to go to be the type of team they want to become. But they know that they're capable of being that. And Saturday, I think, really reminded not us as fans that reminded the players as well that they are they are good basketball players when they come together as a team. They're a really good basketball team. And when they play the way they played the other night, they can play with anybody in the country. And so I think they're going to bottle up that that energy, use that momentum. I think it carries over into this game. And I, I think Carolina wins back-to-back games at home with their backs against the wall as, as they try to start turning around this season in the right direction. Look, if you would have asked me this, Coming out of the Wake Forest game, let's say this was the next game. I would have told you that Carolina probably gets beat by 15 or more. Um, this was just a team that was not confident at all. And that's one of the big things that you have to have against a team as good as Miami. But call me a moron. I, I, I'm I, with you. I, I do think they win this game. I, I just – that what, it feels like the other day – was really this team waking up. We wondered how effective would that 37-minute speech in the locker room be. Then we find out Hubert Davis says that R.J. Davis had a players-only meeting at one point on Thursday after practice. So you wondered how effective are these things actually going to be? Um, Is it that simple that they can flip the switch? And I'm not ready to say that that is what happened the other day that this team has flipped the switch and now they're the they're what they were a year ago when they made the run but i do think that you you saw a team that has gained a little bit of confidence back that seemed like there was some enthusiasm to playing the game and that was the thing that we wanted to see the most from this team was them looking like they were having fun out there uh, I said it when we were recapping the game against Clemson. I think one of the best things that can happen, I know it's a tough turnaround, especially against a team like this, but a game like that where there was so much emotion going into it, you felt like you had to prove something. To turn around and play a li- you know, little over 48 hours later, I think is 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 a good thing for this team. I think they will build off of that performance from the other night I really do think that you're starting to see Caleb Love play a little bit better. He's still got to be more efficient. And I still think that there are times, you know, look, he was 0 of 9 at one point in that first half against Wake Forest. At times like that, you still do have to take him off the floor. But I think you're starting to see him, you know, sort of get going a little bit. I was really, really encouraged by what I saw the other day from R.J. Davis. As I said, first time in a while, he's looked healthy. I think he plays well again in this game as they try to match that Miami guard trio. Uh, And I think Armando Baycott will have another really good game in this one because I know Omir's a tough guy. I don't think that he is going to be able to handle Armando inside 
uh, not like, you know, someone like Derek Lively did. So uh, I, I think Carolina just has a little bit too much in this game. I think it's going to be an extremely close game. I said that, you know, for the Clemson game, and I I believe that this one I would be floored if this game is anywhere close to a blowout for Carolina if they win. I, I think they win this one in a close matchup, but I think Carolina pulls it out. No matter if Carolina wins or loses the game on Monday night, we'll have you covered right here at HeelToughBlog.com where you can find a game preview of the matchup with Miami. And, of course, there'll be a game recap posted up on the website as well. That's HeelToughBlog.com for all the coverage for Carolina basketball throughout the remainder of the season. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate the podcast, review the podcast. But more importantly, we do want you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Once again, want to shout out Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Get any sweeter than that!